And so Paul is using this principle of who we yield ourselves to. This demonstrates who our master is. And this works spiritually because to whom we yield reveals the true God of our lives. No person can say that they are a Christian and be confident in that statement if they're yielded unto sin. They have no confidence. That's what Paul would say, take no confidence in the flesh. There is no assurance. Listening to Cross Connection with Pastor Jay Fulton of Cross Connection North Jersey. Join us as Pastor Jay teaches through the Book of Romans. When we think of slavery, we don't normally think of ourselves. We envision plantations and whips and cruelty to our fellow human beings in a bygone era. And yet, before we know it, we can allow pleasures and pastimes to push other, more godly things out of our lives completely. But even worse, we can live a life enslaved to sin and deceive ourselves that we are okay because of God's grace. In today's study, Pastor Jay gives us the scriptural keys to free ourselves from these deceptions and the sin that can only end in death. Now here's Pastor Jay with part one of his message entitled, the wages of sin. This morning we're going to read Romans chapter 6 and verses 15 through 23. So Romans chapter 6 and verses 15 through 23. And Paul writing, he says, What then and shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? God forbid. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Being then made free from sin, ye became servants of righteousness. And I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. And for as you have yielded your members servants to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your members servants to righteousness unto holiness. For when ye were servants of sin, ye were free from righteousness. And what fruit had ye then in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now being made free from sin and become servants of God, ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So Paul here, uh, in this chapter, he is making the argument, proving the incompatible nature of a person who is justified and a person who continues in sin. In fact, Paul had, in the first part of the chapter, he had responded to a statement that he made in chapter 5 where he says that where sin abounds, grace abounds much, much more. The deepest of sin, the gravest of sin, 
the Bible says that God's grace is sufficient to cover it. And so Paul would say that to the degree that a person sins, God's grace is that much more able to cover it. So where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. But then he dealt with the possible argument for those that would say that, well, in order to prove God's grace, to prove how merciful he is, to prove how gracious he is, should we continue in sin? And therefore, the more I sin, the more God's will be glorified, the more his grace will abound in my life. And Paul, he had sought to dispel that notion. It's faulty thinking that for the Christian, living a life of God has to be decoupled from a life of sin. And we see that in Scripture, that the person who has been born again should no longer continue in sin. And Paul's going to illustrate that point here. And in the beginning of chapter 6, there were certain things that he wanted them to know. He wants us to know today. In verse 3 of chapter 6, we had reviewed. He says, know ye not. And he uses that word, know ye not, or don't you know, concerning the position that we have in Christ. So he would say that, know you not, that so many of us, as we're baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death. And he would go on to say in verse 6, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. And he would go on to say in verse 9, knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dies no more. Death hath no more dominion over him. And having given us these things that he wanted us to know, to get into our minds, now he says there needs to be action. He's given us what we should know, now we should take action. And he had called us to action, beginning in verse 11, where he says to reckon the old man dead. Reckon ourselves to be dead unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And then another action that he wants us to take is in verse 12. He says, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal bodies, to have dominion, to have control, that you should obey it in the lust thereof. And then he will go on to say, neither yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Taking what we know and applying it and then taking action. And then he gives a promise. He says, for sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but you are under grace. And that's the place that every believer should be. We should understand that. And so when he began with that question, shall we, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? He's going to do something very similar now here in our verse when we pick up in verse 15. He's going to say, what then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? And he answers that question, God forbid. God forbid. Because Paul is demonstrating the incompatibility of justification with the continuance in sin. And the distinction between the question in verse 1 and the question in verse 15 is this, is the idea of continuing in sin, meaning that place to where justification will no longer have a place, but continue to sin as believers after having received that justification. And here's the contrast that he's going to make with the law, is that the law, we've been freed from the law. We're not under law, but we are under grace. Because the law, it commands, but it cannot control. The law orders us to do certain things, but it doesn't give us the ability to accomplish those things. It doesn't enable us. 
And so the requirements of the law are strict. The requirements of the law, in some instances, are unrelenting. They're demanding. They require perfection. The law commands, it demands perfect obedience. Perfect obedience in our lives. The law also promises a reward for that perfect obedience. If you work under the law, and if you are perfect under the law, then you get what the law says. But the converse is also true, that the promise of judgment for falling short, for missing the mark of the law, is also true. And to demonstrate this, Paul is going to give us the metaphor, the illustration of that of slavery. And this is what he says in verse 16. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants... To obey his servants, ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. Paul is using this metaphor of slavery to illustrate his point. He's writing to the church at Rome, and at that time in the Roman Empire, it's believed that the total population of Rome had a slave population that was anywhere from a third to half the size of the overall population of Rome. In fact, Obedience is the universal hallmark of slavery. And it's true of other forms of enslavement. Obedience. When we think of the master-servant relationship, the slave, the servant would have no choice, no voice, but only to do that which pleases his master. And so he's speaking, he's using this metaphor to illustrate this point. And not only the, the slavery that we've come to know through history, but there's other forms of enslavement. In fact, we come in contact with people day after day who are enslaved to something. Some people are enslaved to their work. Their allegiance is to their job. To do exactly what the job demands. Forsaking, perhaps even sacrificing their family. Sacrificing what God might want to do in their lives. There are others who are enslaved to things. They're enslaved to their possessions. And all they think about is taking care of their possessions. You know, they'll wash it every week, every day. They'll wax it every day. They'll put armor all on the tires. They'll think about how many more of these things that they can get, how we can get more stuff, taking care of possessions. There are some people who are enslaved to their temper. They're just like a city that's set on fire, unable to abstain from these outbursts of wrath. And so Paul is using this principle of who we yield ourselves to. This demonstrates who our master is. And this works spiritually because to whom we yield reveals the true God of our lives. No person can say that they are a Christian and be confident in that statement if they're yielded unto sin. They have no confidence what Paul would say, take no confidence in the flesh. There is no assurance that those words are just words. And I think of Jesus' comment in the Sermon on the Mount. He talks about that day of judgment when there would be many that would stand before him. And there were some that would, he would tell to depart and they would respond by saying, Lord, we've done many wonders in your name. We've prophesied in your name. We've cast out demons in your name. And he would say, depart from me, I never knew you. Now, the interesting thing about that statement from Jesus is that these were religious people. These were people who were doing, for all intents and purposes, Christian things, religious things. 
and yet they found out their place in Christ when it was too late. They had gone all the way. They had lived their life. But he says, depart from me. I never knew you, you workers of iniquity. And so regardless of what a person might say with their speech, regardless of the fact that they might come to church or do religious things or even pray to God, even read the scriptures, but if, if their life is given over to sin, yielded to sin, well, it reveals to us who the true God of our lives are. And if we continue in sin, it is proof that Christ is not our master. But it's proof that we are, that we sit on the throne. Because am I going to obey the desires of my flesh or am I going to obey the requirements of God? And there's two avenues. Every person, every man, every woman is yielded unto one of two things. Either yielded to sin, which leads to death, or yielded to obedience of Christ that leads unto righteousness. And all humanity is set under one of these conditions of servitude. Each and every person. In fact, Jesus, he spoke to the religious leaders. You know, he was contesting with them continually. He had said to them in John chapter 8, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples. And this is a true statement. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. But how did the religious leaders respond to Jesus, respond to that comment that he made? Well, they answered him, and they took solace in their in their heritage. They said, we are Abraham's descendants, and we have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? And Jesus answered them. He says, most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. From the words of Jesus himself, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. And there is that subtle poison that seeks to force its way into the heart of every Christian, even the best of Christians. And that's the temptation to say, well, let us sin, not that grace may abound, but because it does abound. In other words, I'm covered. My debt has been paid. And therefore, I need not care or give attendance to how I live my life. And a person who says that misunderstands grace altogether. They misunderstand grace altogether. Because we can choose our master, but once we've chosen the master, we must obey it. And every person has that choice to have that decision. Choose this day whom you will serve. And what a slave shall do is wholly determined by the master to whom the slave belongs. The slave has no voice. The slave has no stake in the matter. The slave does wholly what the master wants him to do. And we want to be that to Christ. Because he's, he's, he's created us, he's designed us, he knows what's best for us to live and to thrive in his presence. And so, there is no intermediate position between serving one or the other. All throughout the scriptures, you see that. You see in the Old Testament, Joshua leading the people, choose whom you will serve. If it's Baal, serve him. If it's God, serve him. But make a choice, choose. Jesus would say, you, no person can serve two masters. You'll either love the one or hate the other. But you can't serve two different masters. There is no intermediate position 
between serving the one or the other. And many people would try to straddle the fence. They'll sit on that fence and having one foot in the world, one foot in sin, one foot uh, there in that place under the direction of sin and have one foot in the things of God. And the Lord tells us that I wish you were hot or cold, not lukewarm. You know, but make a decision. Because there is no sitting on the fence in the things of God. This is one of the things that he wants us to know. Understand this, to grasp this in our own lives. And that these things would be evident. To know that whom we yield ourselves servants to obey, his servants we are to whom we obey. In other words, it's one of the truths of scriptures that we should walk away with in our lives and carry with us. That how we submit ourselves in a, into what we submit ourselves and under what we submit ourselves that thing is that which controls us. And so examine ourselves. The scripture says, let a man examine himself and test and see whether or not he's in the faith. Line up the things of scripture and say, does my life comport and conform to these things? And if it doesn't, well, God is desiring, he's beseeching us that we would change, that we would not live that way, that we would not live in a backslidden state. But he goes on to say this, but God be thanked, in verse 17, that ye were the servants of sin. And understand this was past tense, that you were the servants of sin. But you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered to you. The form of doctrine. It's speaking of a mold. When we think of how metal is sometimes shaped, how they create these metal beams to construct buildings or other types of structures, this mold, they, they will heat the metal, they will burn it down to where it's liquid, and then they would pour it into these molds. And then as it solidifies, it creates the, the thing that uh, it should be created. And this is how God works in the life of the believer. And by the Holy Spirit's working, he begins to break us down, begins to soften us up, soften our hearts, make us less resistant to the Word of God. And then God shapes us by the Word, in other words, he's pouring us into that mold. We're being molded into the image of Christ. We're being sanctified in our lives, having our minds sanctified, having our spirits and our flesh cleansed. And he shapes us into his image that way. And, and this is what Paul is thanking the church at Rome. He says, but God be thanked, you were servants of sin, but no longer you are. And when you think about the conditions of Rome at that time, if we think things are bad now, we haven't seen anything. You can pick up any history book and look at what life was like during the Roman Empire. And you will see that it was much worse, much more horrible than what we deal with today. And yet, Paul is saying, you were slaves to sin. Because it was very normal to, for a person to engage in all types of gross behavior. In fact, it was expected. It was normal. And when Christianity came in, when Christ came in, and this message of the gospel came in, it was a collision of two worldviews now. One that spoke of love and grace and freedom and sanctification. And the other one that dealt with hardship. It dealt with slavery, treating people as property, not having a voice of their own. One kingdom fighting against the next, usurping authority. And you read that throughout human history. But he says, God be thanked that you were no longer servants of sin, 
And do we thank God for that? Thinking of all the, the avenues that our lives could have taken, all the different trajectories, all the decision points that could have led us down one path versus another. And God in his love has us in this place to where we can sit and receive his word. And that we were under sin, but we are no longer under sin. And I thank God for that. God be thanked. And that he's molding us and he's shaping us by his word. But then he goes on to say in verse 18, but then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. And that's a glorious thing. Being servants of righteousness. Being servants of the most high God. And I'll say it again, to serve the Lord, to be filled with righteousness, to be servants of Christ, is one of the best things. It is the best thing. There is no greater honor, there is no greater joy than to be able to serve and to worship the Lord. Because this is what we were designed for. This is what we were created for. And, and all of the empty pursuits that the world has to offer, that people pursue, only to find at the end of those things there's still emptiness, it's because... We're not serving, we're not seeking him which created us. And so Paul goes on in verse 19, he says, I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. And for as you, for as you have yielded your members, servants to uncleanness and to iniquity, unto iniquity. Even so now, yield your members, servants to righteousness and unto holiness. He says, I'm speaking in human terms because the analogy, the picture is clear. And he's focusing now in verse 19, he says, to not let sin reign in your mortal bodies. Don't let it do that. He says, you were servants to uncleanness and to iniquity, leading to more iniquity. And so he had used that that example of slavery, not to demean the people, but they would, everyone would know and have a picture and have an understanding of that analogy, being that slavery was such a common thing in Rome at that time. But in verse 20, for when you were servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. And he's focusing here. You know, it's interesting when I think in the Gospels, you know, the command and the, and the request to live a holy life, you know, God doesn't tell us after the fact. He doesn't hide the fine print from us. This life of consecration, this life of purity, this life of holiness, this life of walking before him. He tells us up front that he doesn't want sin to be our master. In fact, in Matthew chapter 16, he says, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. It's going to cost us something to follow the Lord. And if we've been walking with the Lord for any amount of time, we, we know that, right? We know that it takes something. It takes, there's a, there's a sacrifice, there's a cost to be paid, there's a price to be paid. Perhaps sometimes it's in our workplace where maybe we've lost opportunities at promotion or we, we've lost opportunities to even get a job. Perhaps it's cost us relationships. Thanks so much for joining us today for this edition of Cross Connection Radio with Jay Fulton. 
We are currently making our way verse by verse through the book of Romans here on Cross Connection Radio. If you've been blessed by today's message, we would love to hear from you. Drop us a note via email at info at crossconnectionradio.com. Maybe you're listening today and you need prayer. We invite you to send us an email at that same address. Again, that's info at crossconnectionradio.com. Just type prayer request in the subject line so that we can easily identify your request. And we will be sure to pray for you. If you're in the Northeast New Jersey area, we'd like to invite you to join us for our Sunday morning worship service at 11 a.m. To learn more, visit crossconnectionradio.com and click on the link Church from the main menu at the top of the page. There you'll find all the information you need, including our service times, location, and driving directions. And now, on behalf of Cross Connection Radio, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and your financial support. To financially support this ministry, please visit CrossConnectionRadio.com and click on the support option in the main menu. Be sure to join us next time as we continue our study through the Book of Romans with Pastor Jay right here on Cross Connection Radio. Better.